Yo, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. <clears throat> how are you guys doing out there? Saturday episode, so you know how we give it up on a Saturday episode. Obviously, we got some big news coming out of the NFL. Another major quarterback trade, Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. Obviously, I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. Um, and I, 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 pr- I practically told you guys, I said, hey, it's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. And we already got some quarterback movement, some new faces in new places. Um, I'm going to talk, I'm talking about the all-star voting, the all-star starters. Those have been announced. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. That's not going to be too long. Um, Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger. I I, you know, I I told you guys that this was going to happen. So we got a lot to get into today. Also, a mega baseball deal. Fernando Tatis, he signed a 14-year deal. Congratulations to that young man. Well-deserved. Well-deserved for Fernando Tatis. Um, one of the one of the more exciting young players in baseball today, um, and actually, let's let's just give him a round of applause. Let's just give him a round of applause. Shout out! Shout out to Fernando Tatis signing a fourteen year deal with uh, you know with the San Diego Padres. A large deal. But let's start with the Indianapolis Colts, the Philadelphia Eagles, and Carson Wentz. Another big-time trade in the NFL. And I told you, it seems like the NFL, they're, they're taking on what the NBA does. The NBA, the NBA just, the NBA fully, it just fully take advantage of its offseason. And this is what the NFL is doing now. The NFL, it's, it's all about transactions, big-time signings, and trades. And I told you guys right after, I think right after the season, I said, hey, it's going to be a lot of quarterback movement, a lot of new faces in new places. And I, we talked about the Matthew Stafford deal, and I think this is very similar to the Matthew Stafford deal. Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts. Let me give you guys the trade details. So, Obviously, Indianapolis, they got they got quarterback Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and the Eagles, they received a, con- a conventional second-round pick and a third-round pick. So they got two picks in exchange for Carson Wentz. That second round, that that con- that that condition, that that conditional, or I think, yeah, yeah. That that second round pick can turn into a first round pick. Sorry for that. Um, so they got two picks in exchange for Carson Wentz. Not much. Indianapolis, they have a ton of draft capital um, and a lot of money. They got a lot of salary cap. Uh, Indianapolis is ahead of the league. They're they're amongst the top of the league as far as salary cap and what they can go out there and spend. Um, and also Philadelphia. I'm, I'm going to get to Philadelphia. But let's just start with Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz, who I think are the winners of, these, of this trade. They are clearly the winners of this trade. Uh, Indianapolis is, is a really good football team. I talked about them all throughout the season um, as, as far as like how well like how, how well built their roster was all throughout the year. Uh, my, you know, my biggest question was Philip Rivers. Is Philip Rivers, is he, you know, it, that, 
Is his limitations are are his limitations going to hold them that far back? And they did. Um, they were eleven and five team. They got to the playoffs, but we all know Phillip Rivers was not going to be the guy that takes this team to the next level. We all knew that, right? We we kind of figured that. Phillip Rivers, older, you know, moves like a chair, not not the most athletic. Uh, arm strength has kind of gone away. We knew that he was not going to be the guy. We knew he'd be good enough where they won a lot of ball games and get to the playoffs. But as far as advancing and winning multiple games in the postseason, we just didn't see that happen if Indianapolis. Or at least I didn't. Even with the well-constructed roster. And I even pointed out with Indianapolis um, throughout the year. And I pointed to them as an example. Because Chris Ballard and the job that he's done with building this roster, and, and let's just, let's just say this first. First, picking the right the, the the proper coach. They picked the right coach. They have Frank Wright, and Frank Wright is he's kind of turned into a quarterback whisperer. I'm gonna and I'm gonna talk about that. But first, Chris Ballard hired Frank Wright as his head coach. Great hire. Okay. Then you look at what he's done. He has built up this offensive line, and he has built up the defense. So. Well, well versed, well rounded roster that Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts have. Carson Wentz is obviously the winner here. He is obviously the big time winner in this trade. Carson Wentz goes from one of the worst offensive lines in football. If you don't believe me, go look at go look at the Philadelphia Eagles PFF grade. They were at, they were, they, they, I think they, they were, they were worse. They were among, they were among the worst in the league. Carson Wentz will not be hit as much. This offensive line is arguably the best offensive line in football. The best offensive line in football. But as I was mentioning, the Colts, I often use the Colts um, as an example as to, Yes, you built you built the perfect roster. Yes, you have all of the right pieces in a, in a lot of right places. But they were missing a guy. They were missing a quarterback. They were missing a guy, a quarterback without the athleticism, uh, without the limitations as far as their athleticism and arm. Now, the thing is with Carson Wentz is we, we got we we have to see if Carson Wentz can regain that 2017 momentum, and the as we all know, as we're all probably aware, Frank Wright is the head coach. Oh well, he's the head coach of Indianapolis Colts, but he was the offensive coordinator that year in 2017 in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz. So that is our hope. But I'm gonna tell you the things that Indianapolis has that is going in Carson Wentz's favor that should lead to Indianapolis being a really good football team. Picking up where they left off, I see them as an 11 or 12 win type of team. They won 11. They won 11 games with Phillip Rivers under under center. Carson Wentz, you can actually move the pocket with him. He's he doesn't have the athleticism limitations that Phillip Rivers had. First, like I already mentioned, Frank Wright and Carson Wentz, their relationship is really good. They have a really good relationship. They Carson Wentz, if there's anybody. That can get Carson Wentz back on track. If it's anybody that can get that can resurrect Carson Wentz's career, it is Frank Wright. It is Frank Wright. And let me tell you this: Frank Wright, 
I think he's tur- he's slowly turning into a quarterback whisperer because I looked at Andrew Luck's 2018 season, Andrew Luck's last year. Andrew Luck came back and had a he had career highs. And, and get this, Andrew Luck was a great quarterback before Frank Wright. Obviously, like that's there's no disputing that. There's no doubting that. But you can't tell me that you know Frank Wright didn't help. And in 2018. Andrew Luck experienced career highs all throughout his numbers. You can see it in his touchdown to interception ratio. You can see it in his passing, in his passer rating. All career highs during that 2018 year. Obviously, Frank Wright was the head coach at the Indianapolis Colts. Or you can go back and look at Carson Wentz 2017 year, where he was virtually the MVP. He had a, he had an 11 and two record. 33 touchdowns, six interceptions. He was he was virtually the MVP if he would have stayed healthy. And then, I mean, let's be honest. Frank Wright, he worked wonders. He worked wonders with Phillip Rivers last year. Once again, Rivers had limitations with, as far as his athleticism and his arm. Still got through that. So I think the quarterback and coach situation is a really good situation, unlike what it was in Philadelphia. Next, this is a top 10 defense. The Indianapolis Colts were a top 10 defense last year, and they don't really have they don't really have too many holes. They don't have too many holes in their roster. Their front seven is really good. They added the Forrest Buckner last year. Obviously, he was an impact player. They have superstar linebacker Darius Leonard, who plays on that second unit. They have they, you know, they you know, they got a star safety in Malik Hooker. He comes back. He was hurt last year. He comes back this year. They drafted really well at the defensive back position. This is a top 10 defense. This is a top-tier defense that Carson Wentz is that he that he's inheriting. In Indianapolis, I think that's a, I think that's a good sign. I also look at look at the weapons that they have on offense. A lot of the weapons on offense are young. You know, I look at a guy like Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman Jr., who I really like coming out of the draft. Jonathan Taylor, who started to find his stride. Naheem Hines, more of a pass catching back. They have weapons to work with. Carson Wentz has weapons to work with, and as I already mentioned. Indianapolis, they have they I think they have the third most cap room, the third most cap space in the league. So if they need to go out and get another receiver, because T.Y. Hilton, I think T.Y. Hilton is a free agent and he's getting a little older. So you will you will want to get somebody of the likes of a Kenny Galladay. I think I think I think somebody of the likes of Kenny Galladay could really be a legitimate number one around all of these weapons. That they already have in Indianapolis. Also, I already mentioned the fr- the front office is pretty good. Chris Ballard, he's done a good job with building this roster. But most importantly, I think for Carson Wentz, or second most important, I think on the list is probably the offensive line. The offensive line that Carson Wentz is inheriting it's a, it's one of the better ones, if not the best. And I think all of this will work in the it, it, it will work in the favor of Carson Wentz. Because as you guys know, I'm really high on Carson Wentz. I think he's still a talented guy. I just think th- I just think things got a little sour in Philadelphia. 
you know, Doug Peterson, we saw, you know, the report came out. Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, they didn't talk for up, up to eight, nine, ten weeks. That's that's just not healthy. Um, the quarterback room was not healthy. Um, and then we all know we all know where this stems from with Carson Wentz getting hurt and uh <laughs> Carson Wentz getting hurt, Nick Foles taking to him, Nick Foles lead, lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Like all of that, it just turned sour in Philadelphia. But this is a reboot. This is a reboot. And I think for both sides, for both sides, Carson Wentz and the Colts, this is as good as they can get it for both sides. Indianapolis, you look at the situation that they're in, um, they're not, you know, they, they have enough draft capital to go out and get somebody, but they couldn't go out and get somebody like a Deshaun Watson. They couldn't do they couldn't do that. They couldn't get they couldn't get nobody like Deshaun Watson. They weren't high enough in the draft to draft, you know, a top three prospect as far as like a Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or so you know, they they didn't they, they weren't gonna do that. This was as good as both sides could get. And I like both sides of this trade as far as Carson Wentz and the Indianapolis coach. Now let's talk about Philadelphia because I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going down. You know, the, the, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right now, the state of Pennsylvania is not going to like me. The state of Pennsylvania is not going to like me. So if you're a Pennsylvania listener, if you're a listener and you like the Eagles or if you like the Steelers, because I'm going to talk about these two franchises coming up next, please. You, you you know, please. I'm just giving you a heads up. And Jeffrey Laurie are two complete just control freaks. They're controlling. They they won ultimate demand. Uh, that's ultimately why Doug Peterson got fired. Um, and and and, and that's to be honest, the Eagles they're a dumpster fire now. They are a dumpster fire. You, I mean, you you look at the Carson Wentz trade and that whole debacle. Now the Eagles, they just took and they just took on the the largest salary cap hit in league history. That's what the Eagles just did by trading Carson Wentz. So they must have so the Eagles and their front management front office, they must have just thought Carson Wentz was just over it and he just could not bounce back because the fact that you, you the fact that they ha- now they now have to deal with in their salary cap as far as dealing with the largest salary cap hit in league history it's just astronomical and otherworldly to even think about if you're an Eagles fan so it's not just the Carson Wentz debacle it's not just Doug, the Doug Peterson fire it's not just the Nick Sirianni hire Depending on whatever on how you feel about that, I don't. I mean, I, I think it's it's quite easy. It's quite simple to see why they made that that type of hire in Nick Sirianni, young coach, offensive coordinator. You know, a little. He, he was a he was ner- he was a nervous wreck in the inter- in, in in the opening press conference. He was a nervous wreck, and you can't be nervous in Philadelphia. You can't be nervous dealing with the Philadelphia media, and that was. And that was through Zoom. Those media members were through Zoom. They weren't even in person. Just imagine when those when those media members come in after a game, after a loss, and Nick Sirianni has to answer questions. What is he going to do? Have a nervous breakdown? 
So, so, so it's not just that. It's not just these things that's just piling on and piling on. Also, the quarterback controversy and so forth. It's not just no, it's not. But Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman, they have not done a good job with drafting. They have not done a good job with drafting. And if you can look up and down this roster, I was looking at the Eagles roster, and you can look up and down the roster, and it's very, it's very, very, very hard to point out a strength that this Eagles roster has. I mean, yeah, they got a couple good players here, but it is very hard to point out a, a, a strength. I mean, they got Flexer Cox, Brandon Graham is pretty good, Darius Slay is okay, but what, like, what is, what, what's the Eagles' strength? What, what's their strongest position? Because even those guys that I mentioned, like Flexer Cox, they're a little bit, they're, they're a little bit older. They're on the older side of things, but either it's either this with their roster. In in, in 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 a lot of their positions, it's either they just don't have enough talent, or it's older veterans who are aging and expensive, and that is what the Eagles. That's that's what the Eagles roster is made out of. It's aging, expensive veterans, or just guys that are just not good enough. You look at the offensive side of the football. Offensive line was a complete. Just, uh, just a complete mess this year. Went into shambles. They were one of the worst offensive lines, one of the worst pass protecting lines in football. They got, and, and not only that, not only that do they not have the talent up front, but they're aging and they have expensive pieces up front. I look at a guy like Jason Peters. Jason Peters, he's supposed to play the guard position. They had him on left tackle. He ain't good enough. He, he's just not. He just. He's just not able to be a tackle anymore. He's just not able to do that anymore. I look at the receiving core. Don't even get me started. I mean, Travis Fulgham came on pretty nice, but it's just. I mean, after bad pick after bad pick after bad pick in the draft, and this and this is the result of what the Eagles have become. And they are by far. I mean, the NFC East. It's not a great division, but I look at the Giants and the direction they're going. Um, I look at the Washington football team; they're heading in the right direction. Even the Cowboys, with their even with their Dak drama, they don't have this many holes in their roster. It's not just this utterly ridiculous. With the Eagles, they by far have the worst roster in the division. They have so many holes. Or aging parts. They either have liabilities and aging parts that are expensive, or they just don't have the talent at all. And then you add you add on to that with Nick Sirianni as their new head coach, who is more so like a puppet. I don't like the I don't like this. And I don't like the smell of this. I don't like the smell of this at all. So, and this is the thing. The Eagles have a power struggle in their front office. Like I already said, Harry Roseman is a control freak. It seems like he seems like it's a control. He's a control freak. Um, Doug Peterson wanted more say so as far as personnel and the players that get drafted. Um, Harry Roseman fired him. They fired a successful coach. I look at a guy like Andy Reid. They fired Andy Reid. Andy Reid, years later, 
you know, he's he's coaching one of the best football teams in America. Doug Peterson, I wasn't too fond of him and the job that he did this past year, but he did win a Super Bowl. The quarterback situation, that's a big thing. Because I told you guys, um, if you if you if you were a, a listener throughout the regular season, uh, you would know that I'm not too high on Jalen Hurts. Uh, I just seen it. I just like how many times am I going to fall for the the court the type of quarterback that is a, he's a better runner than thrower. I talked about this already with with Jalen Hurts, and it's nothing against him. He's probably a good guy, but I'm I'm just not going to fall for that again. He's Jalen Hurts is a better runner than thrower of the football. Simple as that. He had a completion percentage in the 50s. Just not going to cut it. Just not going to cut it. And I know I, I know he didn't have the best supporting cast on the outside, but low 50, like he was in the low 50s. Uh, I don't I mean, even if you I mean, uh, it's. How how much how much dra- how how drastically can this improve as far as his completion percentage? I don't know. So you have a quarterback situation that's just a little bit unsettled. You haven't solved that yet. You're unhealthy. Um, like I said, you have aging parts in 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 some key positions. I must add, and then mainly, or not so mainly, but you know, importantly, into like why. Their their roster is so bad. It's because they're they're drafting poorly. The Eagles are just drafting poorly. They drafted Jalen Rager, who I mean, you you compare him to the other rookie receivers, especially you know the other guys like C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson, who had some you know Justin Jefferson had a phenomenal year. C.D. Lamb had a pretty good year. Um, just didn't live up to what the Eagles were drafting. It just didn't, it just didn't live up to it. Um, maybe that was, you know, some of that can be accounted to the quarterback play. He, you know, he got hurt early in the season. So, you know, that rhythm and so forth, but he just didn't live up to expectations. But I look at the, I look at past drafts, not even this past, but I'm talking about like drafts over the last couple years, even the draft, they moved up to get Carson Wentz. That like so, and with and this is another thing with the Eagles. You draft, you you draft, you move, you traded Carson Wentz. Now you take on the largest salary cap hit in league history. So you you possibly you the Eagles arguably have the worst salary cap situation in league history, which is just god awful, especially in the predicament that the Eagles are in right now. But then you move, you got to think about it. How do they draft Carson Wentz? They had to move heaven and earth to get Carson Wentz. So that's why I'm thinking maybe Philadelphia just don't think it's the right situation, the right setting for Carson Wentz. Maybe they thought it was both it was best for both sides to move on. But financially, <laughs> Philadelphia is going to take a big hit. And they're going to be taking a big hit for a couple years. So the Eagles right now at this point are a complete dumpster fire. Um, I'm sorry to the Philadelphia Eagles fans. I know there's, you know, there's, you know, Eagles fans that listen, but hey, like I said, you're a dumpster fire, and I just laid out the reasons. In that quarterback situation, it's real unsettling. Um, I, I would, sup- I would p- suppose that Jalen Hurts is their guy, but I don't know. They said he's, they, they said he's gonna be in a competition. They want to make him earn the job, so he got to go out there and earn it. 
But I'm gonna move on to the Steelers and Big Ben. Okay, so Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's talk about it. And it's funny because I actually broke down Big Ben's contract situation and the and the Steelers salary cap situation uh, a couple weeks ago. I did it a couple weeks ago, and it, it basically it, it was it, it's going to be a hard conversation to have. It's going to be a, a tough conversation to have for Pittsburgh fans, but for Steeler fans, get this. Okay, Big Roethlisberger, and let me let me check if my mic is on. Is my mic on? Is my mic on? Hello, is anybody home? Let's get this through the head. Ben Roethlisberger is no longer what he used to be physically. Um, Ben Roethlisberger has aged poorly. This was my this was my concern, and people thought I was ludicrous to have this concern. But last off season, leading up to this to this season, to this past season. My concern for the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger was, hey, is Ben Roethlisberger going to be healthy? Is he going to is he going to be fit? Is he going to be committed enough to come back in some great shape for this for this past football season? Well, it's been a, it's been it's, it was the consistent trend. It was the same trend. Ben starts off really good, really well. The Steelers playing well as a really good team, um, even though they were fraudulent all throughout this past year. Even even with them being eleven and zero, they were still highly highly fraudulent. But as the season tour, as the season wore down, you know, wind down, uh, we got closer to the postseason. The Steelers got worse as a team, and ultimately, Big Ben, Big Ben's play as their quarterback got worse and his body is continuously breaking down now um obviously Ben Roethlisberger he came out and said hey I want to come I want to come back and play I want to come and play for another year I want to come back I'm willing to take a pay cut it's not about the money I'm willing to come back and play well Stillers GM Kevin Colbert um Stillers front office came out and said hey <laughs> uh when we're not too committed on Big Ben, uh, you know. We're we're actually a little bit um we're we're, we're kind of indecisive right now. Paraphrase. That's basically what he said. He said we gotta you know we gotta go through this you know the salary cap the financial situation, and then we'll see what we can do with Ben Roethlisberger. So basically, not really not really committing to Big Ben this year, right? And obviously, I can make the argument as I did a couple weeks ago. Well, the Steelers have no chance. They they have like they have no chance or opportunity at getting another quarterback. Um, Carson Wentz is gone. Sam Darnold, um, you know his his location may vary and change, but there's really no other solution for the Steelers at the quarterback position. So, in a weird way, Big Ben may be their only option. But then I'm like, uh. Ben Roethlisberger, he's breaking down physically. He's he, he's breaking down physically, and he's just not what he used to be. And it's a it's a true example. It's a prime example of an athlete relying upon it upon his or her athleticism more so. It's more so a dude thing because dudes have egos and like I'm gonna get through this and I'm talented enough. But at age thirty, well, he's turning. I think Ben Roethlisberger is actually he's turning 38 
on I know his birthday is in March. Uh he's turning 38 soon, actually. Right? Yeah, he's turning 38 March 2nd. So Big Ben, he's not on the DB12 method. He's nowhere near that. And I and and that's what I questioned all throughout last offseason when he was preparing and trying to get back um for this for this past season. That that that's what that's what I was that was I was that was that was my biggest concern. That was my biggest red flag. Pittsburgh fans thought I was being funny. Pittsburgh fans thought I was hating. Not hating. Not hating. Ben is not what he used to be. But like I said, back to my prime focus. Uh this is an athlete where he relies on athleticism, the off-script plays, his arm strength, and all three of those abilities are gone. The arm strength is gone. The off-script plays, being able to improvise, it's gone. The athleticism, which, you know, is kind of similar to the improvising and all in the off-script plays, it's gone. And now Big Ben, he has to use his he, he has to use his mental. He has to use his mind, and he he just he's just not that good at the line of scrimmage. Let's just, let's just call it like it is. He's just not that good. Coaches have said it. Players have said it. He's just not that good at the line of scrimmage. Audibles are not that good. He, just 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 not that good at the line of scrimmage. Ben is he is Ben Roethlisberger has aged poorly, and ultimately, what the Steelers have to think first of all, the Steelers. And this is why Belichick, this is why I give a lot of props to Belichick. Belichick is known. He is famously known for getting rid of a player a year too early rather than a year too late. Because people are saying, hey, you you get big, big you get rid of Big Ben right now. No, the Steelers should have made a move and got rid of Big Ben last year. Because now, now it's a year too late. Because now you have no absolute solution as far as another quarterback situation. So you're gonna probably you're gonna prop you're probably gonna be forced, unless you make some type of move, you're gonna be forced to bring back Ben Roethlisberger, and it's gonna be a year too late. So actually the Steelers are a year too late because now, not just on the play, but as far as financially, he's gonna kill he's gonna hurt the Steelers financially. He's gonna hurt the Steelers financially, and he's gonna and he's gonna put them in a bad spot for the next coming years. So the Steelers have somewhat, you know, they've they've sell they've sold their soul. The Steelers sold their soul. That they the Steelers have sold their soul. Um, and, and it's it's nothing wrong with it, but we have to stop romanticizing over the past. I think fans often fall into this trap with a particular player. And when it's time, when it's time for this player to move on and so forth, I think fans often romanticize over the good times. Well, damn it, ain't no more good times. Ain't no more good times in Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh, you got to the playoffs a couple. I can't actually. You want to you want to talk about something? I was and I was, and I've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks since Pittsburgh has lost. Um, since they had that terrible playoff loss in back in January. When, when was the last time the Steelers had, like, a significant playoff win? Like, let's be honest. When was the last time the Steelers had a significant, a monumental playoff win? When, when has that happened? And for the Steelers, it's it, it's such a storied history. It's such a 
I mean, such a winning history, a winning tradition. But you got if you're going to be honest, this franchise, it, I'm not, it's not a dumpster fire like the Eagles, but damn, it is falling off. It is completely falling off the track, and it is not what it used to be. It's it's clearly not. I mean, when, like, just tell me, when was the last time the Steelers won a significant playoff game? They haven't gotten back to the Super Bowl since 2010. Fans and organizations, this is not just a fan thing, but organizations also, they romanticize over the past. And Ben, he's won you two Super Bowls. You had some good times. You won a lot of games. But over the last couple years, you have been trending downward. You have been trending downward. And so has Ben Roethlisberger. As a, as a franchise or as an organization, as the Steelers, you guys, Ben Roethlisberger, has been, they have been trending down the wrong direction. And it's time to move on. Simple as that. It is time to move on. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers don't even have a significant playoff win. And I'm sorry to say it. I mean, they, yeah, they went 12-4, and four, but that, that that wasn't a 12-win team. We all know. Mike Tomlin, that's why I give some credit. I give a little bit. I give some props to Mike Tomlin because that, that wasn't a 12-4 team. That was more like a 9-7 team. That team was not supposed to be twelve and four. They got they caught a, they caught some breaks with their schedule, but they weren't a they weren't a twelve and four team. They just weren't. So my and I, so that's why I give a lot of props to Mike Tomlin and the coaching job that he's done because you look at these teams, just not this wasn't a twelve and four team. But it's time for Big Ben to move on. It's time because. I mean, even if they, as I already explained, even if they do restructure his contract, they're still gonna have to pay that salary on the back end. That that salary still comes up and it's still gonna result in the back end. It's gonna show in the back end. So, um, big, it's time to move on. Stop romanticizing. It's time. It's time. Ben hasn't. Ben hasn't. What's the payout? What? What? What is the big payout that Ben Roethlisberger has been giving the Steelers of recent of 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 recency? Ain't there isn't one. There isn't one. Stop romanticizing over the past. Ben Ben Roethlisberger has aged poorly. The Steelers franchise it still has a rich history. It still has a rich tradition. But damn, it is just it just has not been good. And I can't remember the last time the Steelers had a significant playoff win. Maybe you guys can tell me. Maybe you guys can tell me. I'm not talking about like a wild card win. I'm talking about a big time significant win, a monumental win. The Steelers have not had it in recent years. They just have not. Simple as that. Simple as that. They have not had it. Okay, so... Um, let's shift gears to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Uh, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I swear, I do not want to spend a long time with this topic. So Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, they still have not come up to an agreement. Um, if you got, let me just give you guys, a, and the reason why I don't want to spend too much time on this, and it's not, it's not because a Cowboy thing or a Dak thing, but you guys got to realize, <laughs> 
I started this podcast in July of 2019, right? July of 2019, I, I, I established this podcast. I started this podcast. And literally, from July 2019 all the way up to now, present day, I've been talking about the Dak Prescott contract from 2019. I've been on. I've been talking about this topic for nearly almost three years. I, three years, three three off seasons, three off seasons. I've been talking about this Dak Prescott contract situation. And let me put it like this: I mean, there's been a lot of movement in the NFC as far as the quarterbacks now. Um, the Giants. I suppose they're gonna stick with Daniel Jones. I, and I and I like Daniel Jones. He shows flashes. Um, I mean, he's really athletic. Got he got a pretty decent, he got a pretty good arm. I mean, he shows flashes, but you know, he he didn't then he, you know, then he shows you like ah, he's had a couple injuries and so forth. So it's I think they're sticking with Daniel Jones. Um I'm looking, I'm looking at Washington. I don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position. If you ask me, I think they should go after Sam Darnold, but they did resign Taylor Heineke. I don't know if that's going to be their starter. Um, and then the Eagles, they got rid of Carson Wentz. They're going to bring in somebody to compete with Jalen Hurts. My guess is Jalen Hurts will probably be the starter for the Eagles. So this leaves the Cowboys, right? And I don't know. And, and, for, for, and I'm just going to put it like this. They should just sign him. Just sign Dak at this point. Just sign him. I, I mean, his value his value certainly showed, even with him being hurt. Um, you, you know, you can make the argument he's a top 10 quarterback. He's not like he's not quite Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. He's not he's not those guys. But. Like if you couldn't have one of those guys, you know Dak would be right there and the, right there, a, a tier underneath. He's not, he's not average. He's a little above average, not spectacularly great. Um, you know, he doesn't have elite talent, but uh, he's good. And, and and get this: if the Cowboys sign him, if they sign him, they automatically have the best quarterback in the division. Automatically. They automatically have the best quarterback in the division, and it's not even close. Just sign him. Just sign him. Whatever it takes, just sign him because, really, frankly, he's the Cowboys' only hope, if you ask me. But let's move on to the NBA and shift gears. Um, so All-Star, the, All the, the All-Star starters were revealed um, to be honest, I'm quite surprised that they're still sticking with having an all-star game. I was quite skeptical of it. It looks like they're going they're, they're going ab about with it. So the all-star game is going to happen March 7th. Um, it's going to be the regular festivities. Um, now, obviously, there's not going to be a lot of people um, involved as far as, like, fans. There's not going to be the fan affair. There's not going to be the events around the city. That that usually comes with All Star Weekend, so that's that's not happening. But the you know the slam dunk and all that good stuff is happening. But uh, I know there's some discrepancies with the starting five from both sides, and uh, oh well, more so the Western Conference. Um, 
And it's it, 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 the dispute is between Luka and Damian Lillard. Let's be honest. So I'm gonna give you guys the starters in the Western Conference. Uh, in the in the backcourt, you have Steph Curry and Luka Doncic, and then in the front court you have LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. Then out east, in the backcourt, you have Bradley Beal, um, and Kyrie Irving. And then in the front court, you have Kevin Durant, um, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. LeBron James and Kevin Durant finished first and second in the voting, so obviously they're the team captains. Now, the discrepancy is with Damian Leonard and Luka Doncic. A lot of people favor. They, a lot of people thought Damian Leonard, Leonard should have been a all-star game starter. Uh, and, 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 this is, and, and this is my thing. This is my take. I'm, 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 you guys know I'm really big on Luka. I'm really high on Luka. And I, li- and I, li- I like Damian Leonard's game. But um, you, you guys know I'm really high on Luka. So I'm not mad at the fact that Luka got the starting spot. Now, did Damian Leonard deserve it more? Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, yes, he did. Um, He did. And, and, and I'm just looking. And, and first, get this. So, And I looked at the MVP leaderboard. Uh, LeBron was one. Joel Embiid was two. And Damian Leonard was three as of, as of late. And this is just, I checked it, I just, I checked it, like, just now, or not too long ago, before the show, and Damian Leonard's at three, so he's, he's third in MVP so far, as far as, like, the leaderboard, but didn't, wasn't an all-star starter, um, so that's, those two are not correlating, um, but I, I look at it from this standpoint, if you have a problem, problem with it, I look at it from this standpoint, look at it from this standpoint, it's a in terms of the fan vote, it becomes somewhat of a popularity contest, and it in the it's it's a fan it's a fan involvement involvement type of thing. Like the All Star Weekend is the biggest fanfare that the NBA can offer. It's the biggest fan involvement that the NBA could offer. So the fans are the voice and. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think I think it kind of hurts Damian Leonard that he plays in the Pacific Northwest. It's right; it's literally in the corner of the country, um, it, you know. So, and then Luca, Luca's an international star. He's gonna have he's gonna have the European vote, obviously. So that that plays into factors. So it, so at, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a popularity contest, and I know some people are a little. A little disgruntled that Kyrie Irving made, even though he missed like a third of the season. And many people were arguing Zach Levine, uh, Jalen Brown, and so forth. Some people even arguing James Harden. I understand those argument, those arguments. I mean, all, I mean, obviously, all three players are having t- tremendous seasons. Um, I, but uh, Kyle, Brad, Bradley, I mean Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown. I mean, yeah, you can go either one. I, I would probably lean with Kyrie. He's having a 50-40-90 season. Jalen Brown, he had a great. Jalen Brown had a really good stretch. He had a stretch of games where I think it was it was a stretch of games where Jason Tatum missed those games, and Jalen Brown, he was like like some people had him in the MVP conversation. That's how that's how special he looked throughout that stretch since Tatum has gone back the headlines from Jalen Brown has kind of gone down and now the Brooklyn Nets are rolling 
they they have found they look like they're finding their niche. Um, so I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at the starters. I do think Dane deserved it a little bit more um, than Luke. I think he deserved it more. But I'm not like like I said. I'm not mad that Luca got in because I'm you know you you guys know I'm huge on Luca. I'm really really huge on Luke. Huge on Luca. So I'm not mad that Luca Doncic got the starting spot. But I know some people wanted me to address it and so forth. Now. There was a big game. There was a big time game that came on the Brooklyn Nets versus the Lakers, right? And and it's not much to take. I'm not going to take much from that game for what I saw, but I do want to talk about the stretch that the Nets are currently on and two things that I really like about the Nets um, that I'm noticing. And and I mean I'm gonna get to those two things, but first that game versus the Nets and the Lakers it didn't tell me nothing. I mean, the Nets did come out and play really well. I do think the Lakers have some prob they have some problems that they have to tweak out. But I I was already aware of those problems prior to the Nets game. So nothing nothing that I'm saying is is because I watched the game and it's all because of what I saw Thursday night versus Brooklyn versus LA. Nothing that I'm about to say has nothing to do with that game. But I must say. Uh, obviously Kevin Durant was out, Anthony Davis was out, Dennis Struder was out, so that's also important to mention. The Nets did win, and they won in, comp- in, com- in they won in convincing fashion. Uh, they the, the Lakers made it closer than what it actually was, but it it was more like a twenty point victory than an eleven point victory. But I must say, for the Lakers, um, I don't like their I don't like their lack of three point shooting, and I know. Excuse me. And I know some people are going to be like, well, Isaiah, you said that last year. You said that last year. You thought you like, – yeah, I did. I said that last year. And this offseason, I thought they kind of addressed that. They added some more shooters. I thought the three-point shot wouldn't be as – it wouldn't be as glaring as an issue as it is. Um, and it still is. So the, the, so the Lakers, they have to, they have to show up that three-point shot – it just seemed I, I watch the Lakers every night, um, or every chance, every chance that I get, I try to watch the Lakers. I watch most of their games, and it's often there's a discrepancy in the three point ma- in the three pointers may column, and I, I just don't know when you're playing a team with like Brooklyn, who has nothing but shooters, uh, the off this just the offensive weaponry that they have is just phenomenal. You gotta be able to make threes. You gotta be able to make threes to keep up. You have you have to make threes to keep in order to keep up. You have to make threes. So, I, so, so the Lakers they that's a problem for me offensively. I don't think they get I don't think they get enough shooting and enough spacing. I would love for them to get a, a, a some more a, what, probably another shooter probably. Um, Anthony Davis has to get healthy. Don't and I'm not saying that like they have to rush him to get healthy, but they have, but he has to get healthy. Um, and, and I must say this: if the Lakers don't have Anthony Davis, if they if like if the Lakers don't have Anthony Davis, they will not get to the NBA Finals. Let alone they won't win the championship, but they won't get to the NBA Finals if they don't have Anthony Davis. If they don't have Anthony Davis, they will not get to the NBA Finals. They won't. They won't. I, I'm just being honest. Even with LeBron James, um, I don't mean they don't get to the NBA Finals if they don't have a healthy Anthony Davis. 
They don't. Simple as that. Simple as that. I'm looking at some of the acquisitions that the Lakers made, uh, like the, the Marcus Gasol acquisition. I know he's a bit older in age, but he is just not giving them anything. He's not giving them anything at all. I mean, he's not giving them anything. So the Lakers, I do think they have some problems offensively. Defensively, um, I'm not sure because Brooklyn is just so potent offensively. But defensively, I think they're fine. I think they're fine defensively. But Anthony Davis, I think Anthony Davis is the real key. Even outside of the shooting. Like the shooting won't matter if Anthony Davis isn't there. Because if Anthony Davis isn't there and healthy, <laughs> they have no shot. They have they they the Lakers have no the Lakers the Lakers have no shot at getting to the finals, in my opinion. Could LeBron still carry them there in the Western Conference, even at 36? Uh, that's that's a, that's a tough ask. That is a tough ask. But let me move on to the Brooklyn Nets because I've seen some things from the Brooklyn Nets that I really like. I've seen some things from the Brooklyn Nets that I really, really like. And first of all, I must say, this whole big three, even though they only played like six games together, they're five and one in those six games. Let's mark that. But I like the dynamic that these three have. Now, do I think Kyrie Irving's a little weird? Yeah. Uh, do I think Kevin Durant could be a little bit – can Kevin Durant be a little bit uh, – could he be a bit moody? Yeah. But um, these three they, these three kind of intertwine in a very weird dynamic. And as long as they get along, that's what matters. With James Harden, I, lo I absolutely love what I'm seeing with, with James Harden. And, I, and, and out of the three, I think I'm most impressed with James Harden. And the, and the reason why I'm going to say this about James Harden is because it's not that I didn't think he could, um, or I didn't, it's not that I think he couldn't. Like, I, James Harden is, fun, is a phenomenal playmaker. And I told you guys when the trade first happened, I said James Harden should be the point guard. He is a better playmaker and a better distributor and get people and he gets others involved better than Kyrie Irving. He just does it at a high as a high level. But James Harden, goodness gracious, he is arguably the best point guard in basketball when he wants to be. Arguably. Arguably. He is arguably one of the he's arguably the best point guard in basketball when he wants to be. He is an absolute magician, and I love to see it. And I think people forgot, like, <laughs> it's so funny because people forgot in Oklahoma City, like, that was James Harden's role. I mean, he wasn't, like, the superstar James Harden that he is now. But coming off of the bench, James, that was James Harden's role. James Harden's role was distribute, playmake, create shots for others and yourself. Because Westbrook... We all know Westbrook, very, you know, shot hungry. Westbrook, you know, he 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 calculates a lot of assists. But I would question, does Westbrook really make better? Does he make others better? I would question that. Just because he gets a lot of assists, I don't think that necessarily makes him a great playmaker. Harden is a great playmaker. Harden actually elevates others. And that's what he that's what he did a lot of in Oklahoma City. Even coming off the bench. That's what he did a lot of. He did a lot of elevating others and, and playmaking for others and then playmaking for himself. 
But then in Houston, there was a, a dynamic. There was a shift where he had to score 35, 30 a night. He had to take 20 and 25 shots a night just, just so Houston could stay afloat. And I think throughout that time, I think people forgot how all of – like James Harden is a legit all-around offensive threat. And I think people forgot about his all-around offensive game just because he was in Houston. I think people forgot how – like this dude, he has an all-around game offensively. It's a reason why he's one of the more potent players, if not the most potent player on offense. So I'm really impressed with James Harden. And like I said, it's not that I I didn't think he can do it, but it's the fact that he's doing it and at the level that he's doing it. And he's doing it at an extremely high level, averaging 24, averaging about 24 and a half points since getting to Brooklyn. But the most important thing, he's leading the league in assists with 11. He's averaging 11 assists a night. So he's getting others involved, making making others better, making their jobs easier, getting them easier shots, open shots, and then also he's getting his buckets on the side. Now get this. These are two stats that I like about the Brooklyn Nets. The two stats that I like about the Brooklyn Nets the most is first, the Brooklyn Nets are 10-1 and one versus 500 or better opponents. Let me really let me let me really let me repeat that again. Let me repeat that again. The Brooklyn Nets are 10 and 1 versus 500 or better opponents. So, that shows me that the better the competition, like the more ready they're they're the, the more the more ready they're you know, they want to play. The more they want to play. And it shows me that they're beating high-level competition at a high level. They're beating, they're beating, they're beating high-level competition at a at an extreme rate. And I and I like to see that because that means you're you're able to beat playoff teams. I'm not worried about the two losses to the Cavaliers. The Cavaliers won't make the playoffs. It won't matter. I don't care. <laughs> but I I care about the, the the your record versus the opponents you're gonna actually see in the playoffs. And they're 10 and 1 versus 500 or better opponents. And I think that's a a big crucial stat. Also. Uh, the second stat that I love about the Brooklyn Nets so far this season is they lead the league in fourth quarter points. So that shows me that they are getting stops when it matter. And then on offense, they, I mean, offensively, they're just on another level. Offensively, they're the best team in basketball offensively. Um, simple as that. They're the best team in basketball offensively. And in the fourth quarter, it's showing me like they're coming through in the clutch. Fourth quarter is the that that's the money time. That's the money quarter. So I love those those two stats really stand out to me. The record, the the, the Brooklyn Nets record versus top tier competition and their fourth quarter scoring. Cause I, I, I witnessed it the other night versus Phoenix. I saw them, I, I was watching them play Phoenix. They were down by 24. They could have easily took the night off. And made excuses. Oh, we have no Kyrie. We have no KD. You know, we're not, you know, we're down 24, second night of a back-to-back. They could have easily laid down and just got blown out by Phoenix. A really good Phoenix team, I must add. But nope, they came back, they won, and they won and they won. And and, and Harden put on once again, Harden put on an absolute show. So I like I like what I'm seeing from this Brooklyn Nets team. 
Um, and I, and like I told you guys, I think they're gonna win the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, I, I, I still think they're gonna win the Eastern Conference. I like them coming out the Eastern Conference, and I want to see. I, and I can't wait to see them play a healthy Lakers squad. Um, and maybe we'll get that in the finals. Maybe we'll get that the second time ago, the second go around. But I want to see them play a healthy Lakers squad. That should be a really good game. A really good game. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you guys for tuning in to another Saturday episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Uh, it was really good talking to you guys. Also, if you did not listen to the DSR interview, I would encourage you. It's a really good interview. It's long, but it's a really good interview with some gems. Um, like, like, like I said, great interview. Shout out to DSR for coming on. I'm going to be having more player interviews coming up soon at a later date. But enjoy this episode. And like I said, if you did not listen to the previous episode with the DR, DSR interview, I would encourage you to go to go to and listen. Go to that and listen to that and then come back to this episode. That's actually what you should do. Go listen to that, that interview, come back to this episode, and tell me how you feel about it. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Enjoy you guys' weekend. Thank you, guys. Keep running it up. Uh, and I catch you guys on Wednesday next week. Uh, we're probably going to be doing some draft talk. Adios. Peace. Deuces. Gone. Enjoy. <laughs>